Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. My name is Dan Rosell, and I'm joined, as always, by John Fisher. Good morning, John. Good snowy morning. For the people who matter, who are listening to this, I assure you, it was 50 degrees in New Jersey yesterday. It was snowing this morning and sticking. Yeah, it's been very uh, hot and cold, to say the least, just like the devil's recent run of results, uh, like I did there. But we have to go all the way back before the All-Star break, because our last episode was recorded before the, uh, you know what, I'll say disastrous home and home against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, it was Um, a disaster. And it was a disaster for a couple of different reasons. The first game was a disaster because it was winnable, and the Devils basically pulled the Maple Leafs in front of the Maple Leafs by collapsing the third period. The second game was never really a game at any moment in time as the Devils got soundly destroyed. And honestly, I don't really know that there was a single lesson that they could take from that game, a single good thing that they did in that game that they should do moving forward. And I think their Mm. coaches said as much after that one. I think there are some lessons of what they shouldn't be doing going forward. After oh, that yeah, game. yeah. But, but there yeah. were no there were no good things to take away from that one. I think I think that was a quote from Nazardine anyway. So let's go back to uh, that first Toronto game as this was the game. Uh, this was, yeah, leading into the All-Star break, correct? Correct. So the Devils originally this game in Toronto on January 31st, this was supposed to happen earlier in the month, but it got pushed out due to COVID. Mm-hmm. But it only got pushed out by two weeks. So they because um, the game, the February 1st game that was on the original schedule. And then, yeah, the team was going to break for the uh, All-Star weekend. So this home and home um, was their chance to perform. And this is on the heels of four straight losses after two fairly respectable performances in Tampa Bay and Carolina, two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. They go into Toronto. They start off well, like legitimately well. Mm-hmm. Perpetual corner turner Pavel Zaka scores a goal within the first minute. Jesper Bokvist, of all people, scores a goal to make it 2-1. Yes, Austin Matthews hit back, but Andreas Janssen, or Johnson, because Kangelosi keeps mixing it up, so I get mixed up about the J. Uh, he puts in a G to make it 3-1, and um, the Devils were playing fairly well, even though Matt Matthews scored again. 
it's Austin yeah. Matthews. What can you do? So Matthews against the Devils and really against everyone is yeah. ridiculous, but especially against the Devils, he seems to score one or two each time. At exactly. Least. But the thing is, is the Devils are still leading three two and playing fairly well. It, it, you know, if for Akira Schmid, Schmid was in the in net for this one, and they went uh, into the third, leading four two, I believe, right? Yeah, that's right. Nathan Bastian scored a goal, like mm-hmm. an actual goal goal, yeah. um, to make it four to two. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, the Devils are in a good position to get something out of Toronto. And remember, the Devils lost their last four games where they got zero. They got bupkis in the standings, not even a single overtime point. Mm -hmm. So odds are looked pretty good. Then the third period happens. And Dan, (laughs) before we get into what went wrong, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Let's without looking this up, I'm going to, we'll do this on the honor system. How many shots on net did you think (laughs) the devils got in the third period Um, before two hockey game on the road? So, okay. Shots has to be somewhere around three or four. You are over. They got two. Incredible stuff. Two people. I don't care, you know, how, like, that's only acceptable if you're up by four goals and you're just like, you know, the game is already out of doubt. It's not out of doubt at four, two. Definitely not on the road. Definitely not after you lost your last four games. Definitely not for a Devils team where finishing has always kind of been iffy at best around the season. You got to keep your opposition honest. The Devils didn't do that. And that meant that when Toronto would score goals and oh boy, they scored goals. Yep. It was going to be a potential collapse. And that's exactly what we got to see. Yeah. It's pretty much the rule that the Devils have been playing based on uh, when they were winning games and they had to score seven to do it. Toronto does this all the time where they score enough goals to make up for their goalie, not having the best day. The Devils just, were unable to keep up by the end of the game and again got little to no help from the back end and that's not necessarily Schmidt's fault but it it doesn't help that they're not able to it's nothing beneficial there's there has to be something better than you're saving what you're expected to save in order to win games sometimes you need a little bit extra and then that just doesn't happen right but in the case of this game, all four, well, at least three of the four goals that they allowed in the third period, you could easily pick up on the, the miscues by the Devils skaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, you know, this was a game where David Comp and Ilya Mikheyev and Alexander Crowfoot just feasted on the Devils, especially in this period. It created a goal for Jason Spezza, where Ty Smith is probably going to be wondering, like, how do I how do I defend? Uh, which is bizarre, considering, you know, he did. He didn't have these issues last season as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And then you got Mitch Marner, who continues to score lots of lots of points set up by Matthews for the equalizer. And then you see the the the, the perils of the Mark Recchi power play system where. This may shock you, Dan, but when you only utilize three out of your five players in a five on four and you constantly move the puck above the dots, you're at risk of a bad turnover or a bad pass costing you. And then you, and then Damon Severson decides to double down on this by putting up one of the worst decisions ever in a two on one <laughs> where he had the man covered. He had Mickey Evan in a position to be covered and then decided, no, I'm going to put my stick away from him. So the lane is wide open. What happened? What what happened with it? Why did his brain just... I've never seen anything like it. His I mean, brain just not, entirely shut yeah. off. And again, Severson is not a young guy. 
like, okay, compared to me, who I'm 38, he's young to me, but he has over 500 games in the devil's uniform. He, this he's been in the league for close to you know he's getting close to a decade of NHL hockey, and like, and people like this to is, scapegoat him too. But he was far from why. the problem in a lot of games. But he this makes, is why he does things like this, and I, I, I it's inexplicable. I I don't get it. I don't know what happened there. Unless I'm mis- misremembering the next few games, this is the Devils' eighth shorthanded goal against of the le- of the season, uh, the league's most. This was the game-winning goal. Yep. Yep. It was and, awful. And and just to put a put a nice little uh, cherry on top of the pile of crap this third period was mm-hmm. Austin Matthews puts in an empty uh, a power play goal, empty netter. And uh, my thought to myself was, well, you choked. Mm-hmm. You choked badly. And this is this is what this is a big reason why the Devils are a real bad team and why patience is running thin among the people who matter, mm-hmm. because this is not, you know, your second year of the rebuild. You, you, this is not your, you know, first year of the rebuild or, you know, yeah, you had injuries. Yeah. You've had bad goaltending, but guess what guys, if you, if the guys on the ice do their job, if the coach in this case, Elaine Nazardine, because Lindy Rupp was away on bereavement, um, you know, if, if players are doing their job professionally, you should have gotten a point out of this game. You just should have that, yeah. that shorthanded goal should not have happened. That, and, and then by extension, you wouldn't have the empty net goal. At least if you lost that game in overtime, you could say, you know what? Yeah, we had a bad third period, but you know what? We got a point. We got something for the first time in a week. Yeah, it was a very, very tough look. And again, they had another chance at the Leafs. I, I don't really want to spend much time in the next game. There was It was awful from start to finish. It was, what, 4 nothing after the first period? And for nothing like midway through the first period, it wasn't even no, like it was three a... nothing midway through the oh, first okay, period. Okay. I have to correct you on that much. Okay, but okay. you're absolutely right. The, the Leafs scored six straight goals before Jack Hughes denies the shutout to uh, yeah I'm, Jack Campbell, who who the Devils chased <laughs> on the first night. That's the other thing. Like the Devils chased the goaltender and they lost. And then the pre- the next game because the Devils are mentally fragile, uh, they went out there and just you know, jobbed, you know, it was just like a professional wrestling show where here's a wrestler that you've heard of. And here's a guy they literally gave 50 bucks, a handshake and a hot dog to, to go eat a pin after three minutes of action. That that's, was that, That's what this game, it was awful. And it was their last home game before the all-star break of which they are now playing their first home game in over a week since they were on the road to do some makeup games after the all-star break. Dan, what happened at the All-Star break? Tell the people. Credit to the boy, Jack Hughes, for having a great All-Star weekend. Very, very highly promoted by the NHL. Good good visibility for the Devils. Uh, Good visibility during the games as well. He managed to score some goals and uh, got some buzz for his uh, shooting performance um, at the Breakaway Challenge, where he produced a smaller version of himself, courtesy of one of the Devils' uh, equipment staff. However, all that is just to say that the exact thing that is the argument against the all-star game this year, especially, uh, you know, transpiring in some way, it happened where Jack Hughes went to Las Vegas and returned to New Jersey with COVID. Yep. And now um, he has been off protocol. So we're recording this before the game against Pittsburgh, but as a result, he's missed uh, all the games since the all-star break so far. Yeah. All three games. And this may shock you, Dan, but when you have one of your two near point per game players, it kind of hurts the it kind of hurts the cause, even if even if things go right. Oh, don't worry. The, the second cause. one's also missing now. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. Uh, 
yes. don't you worry because uh the fates and hockey gods have accounted for the fact that the devils can never truly be at full strength no matter what the situation is but anyway um not only is Hughes back in practicing, so is Hamilton, which, again, this last month of games has been truly brutal, and that's a big reason for it, uh, why their defense has been abhorrent. Questionable <laughs> at times. I, I have a fun stat for you about that, but we'll get there later. Very excited. Well, that, is it Mason Gearson having a higher uh, goals above replacement than Dougie Hamilton right now? Oh, no, no. Zero it, fun. It, it, it's it, it, it's uh it's 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 team specific. We'll get there though. Okay, okay, um, fantastic. But anyway, they they returned to face the Ottawa Senators, a team that, uh, by all accounts, you know, preseason we should say these are the points that you need to get. And now that we know that the playoffs are out of the question, it doesn't really matter as much. But you still need to show up for games like this and prove that you've made some progress in your rebuild, and you're not just going to be a doormat to everyone in the league. Now the next two games are a good study of, well. There's a lot more to do in this rebuild, but we're not as bad as some other teams are in their processes. So what do I mean by that? The Devils fell to the Senators 4-1, and it was a fine game until a stretch in the second period where the Senator, another disastrous second period, by the way, where the Senators yeah. scored two goals in nine seconds to go from 2-1 up to 3-1 up. And then again, as the Devils uh, typically tend to do against goaltenders on teams that aren't so good, uh, in a situation like this, they give up two goals. They can't really make up the difference for some reason, bizarrely against a goaltender who has not had a great season. And so they fall to the centers by a score of four to one, which is a result that is incredibly disappointing for this team. Also, the fact that the Devils did have a good first period against them. And, you know, I will say that, and I ran the numbers here. So it's not that the Devils are, um, in terms of the run of play, in terms of Corsi, expected goals, even shots on net. Differential second periods haven't been that bad, but goals and goals mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's not a case of like one bad month. Like this has been the case since the beginning of the season mm -hmm. uh, where the devils just get consistently outscored in second periods. But so, so the, because expected goals and, and Corsi are still in the devil's favor in second periods, we can't say that the devils just are just awful in second periods for some inexplicable reason. But I will say there've been a number of games in, this in the past couple weeks where it's clear that the opposition has downloaded the New Jersey devils. Like they figured out what Lindy Ruff, who by the way, was back behind the bench for this game uh, after serving, after missing two, the Toronto games due to bereavement. Um, they figured out how the game plan works, adjusted their own style and came up big. And as such, you know, it was very similar to the Arab, excuse me, the Arizona game, if you remember that debacle. Oh, where yeah, yeah. The Devils were great in the first period in that one um, and then just completely lost the plot. And even if they did out, ultimately outshoot and out XG Arizona, Arizona rose up and took advantage of their opportunities, uh, whereas the Devils didn't, and the Devils were at a deep hole and they were never going to crawl out of it, and then they had suffer an embarrassing 4-1 loss. Uh, same story in Ottawa where this time poor Nico Dawes Mm -hmm. who, by the way, is now healthy and has replaced Schmid as the uh, young guy to back up John Gillis. Um, you know, a bad break, a bad bounce off a long shot to make it 2-1. Not that bad. Literally the next shift, give up a two-on-one. <laughs> you give up two goals in nine uh, seconds. And then later in the third period, you got uh, Lindy Ruff yelling at the bench, giving the boys the business. All those fans who say, I want to see the coach get angry. I want to see some heat. I want to see some fire. I'm, I'm, I'm mad, so he needs to be bad. Well, they give up a goal two minutes after that uh, heated exchange on the bench. So, yeah, 
In other words, this, you know, a lot, you know, some of the people who matter like likened Ottawa's, oh, they're physical, they're heavy. Ottawa's literally Please. about the same level in the standings as the Devils right now. Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't put a lot of stock into that. But the harsh reality is that, you know, as much as you want to say, oh, Nico Dawes didn't make enough saves, the reality is the performances in their own end just weren't good enough. You have mental lapses where you're giving up two on ones literally from center ice after a goal against. And yeah, Matt Murray played really well, but you're still taking way too many shots from 40 to 60 feet away. And guess what? Any goalie's gonna gonna want that shot because they're easy shots to stop. Yeah. And that's and that's a systemic flaw here. So this was a, another game where an opponent just kind of took advantage of Ruff's uh, systems and the Devils couldn't uh, adjust quickly enough to get out of their hole and they lose their seventh straight game. And as, Arby's. And even after all that, as bad as the Devils have been all season long, as miserable as it has been, yes, I will say it has been nowhere near as bad as it has been in Montreal. A team oh, yeah. that participated in the Stanley Cup final last year. Last year. That's the unbelievable part. Last season. But yeah, not, not even a year ago. Oh, like, not last even a season. year ago. They were in the Cup finals. They made a miraculous run and promptly got destroyed as everyone expected them to. However... This is not supposed to be the season that they were having, but as bad as the Devils have been, as tough as it has been to watch, it has not been this. And the Devils did to Montreal what pretty much every other team has done to Montreal all season and what other teams have done to the Devils all season. And the Devils, again, proving themselves incapable of winning games, except if they score seven goals, put up a seven spot against the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and this game featured a lot of what I'm going to call the best case scenario for how the Devils play hockey at five on five. Your first goal, Michael McLeod. So Ryan Graves, who, by the way, was the leading shooter in this game with five shots on net. Yes, that's that in of itself is kind of an indictment. You have Nico Heischer, you got Dawson Mercer, you got all these talented forwards and your leading shot taker in the game is Ryan Graves. But Ryan Graves takes a long shot. Caden Primo gives up a rebound. And Michael McLeod's in the right place at the right time to score his first goal in a very long time to make it one nothing. Well, he and was while, also on the uh, injured list as well. For well, bit. that too. He, he, he missed the past couple games, but McLeod's, that was McLeod's fourth goal of the season, people. He, mm-hmm. He's not a scorer. Yep. Uh, he's just not. But you get up early, and then the Devils are just holding Montreal at bay. You know, their defensive system of overloading was actually giving the Montreal Canadiens a lot of problems such that – um, Gillis didn't see a lot of action in that first period, which is great. And then Dawson and Jesper Bokvist makes a great read to Dawson Mercer, who got in behind the Montreal defense. He finishes that play for his first goal in a long time. It's now two nothing, and you're thinking, okay, this is better than the past couple games where you're up one nothing in the first period or one nothing after the first period. Now you got two goals. You got you got some cushioning, which is important because Montreal once again. Uh, started picking it up in the second period because they understood how the Devils played hockey mm-hmm. and Brett Kulak scored. But then, unlike a lot of these last games, um, the Devils did have a response. They, they made it hard for themselves because they took some penalties literally after Kulak's goal. Uh, but after the, penalty, the first penalty kill, Dawson Mercer hooks up Nico Heischer for a big goal to make it 3-1. to one. And then... The Devils take some more penalties, uh, <laughs> specifically Damon Severson on the next shift, interfering with Nick Suzuki. And then a little uh, later, Subban had to hook Cole Caulfield to deny him a goal. But after the Devils killed those penalties with a plum, uh, you got Jesper Bogfist uh, sailing in a shot to make it four to one. And then another 
Graves long shot yielding a, a beneficial rebound for McLeod where he's in the right place, right time. It's now five to one going into the third period. And now you're like, now every devil's fan like myself is thinking, Hey, I could relax. They're not going to blow a four goal lead. Not to and, Montreal. And surely, surely uh, th- that's the thing. The fact that it was in the back of our minds speaks enough to the state of the team and the state of how it has oh, been yeah. for years. But the Devils, I mean, they, they pretty much locked it down. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. They added a couple uh, more goals on top of this lead. Yep. Uh, Montreal is an AHL team. I don't know how else to say it. This yeah. year, they are purely an AHL team. I don't know. I, I don't really know what happened in its entirety, but something has not worked out. And in oh, fact, a lot of things, something, but like nothing, not a yeah. single thing has worked out for them. And at least for the devils, Brad and Hughes are getting their points. And, you know, uh, Graves has been decent. Siegenthaler has been good at those kinds of things. The additions, they haven't been perfect, but they haven't been whatever happened in Montreal because my God, if it's tough to watch the devils, I cannot imagine. I cannot no. imagine watching a team that just went to the Stanley cup, have eight wins or nine wins at this point in the season. Eight. I was scared after the Ottawa performance that the Devils, because if the Devils repeated what they did in Ottawa in Montreal, they could have lost that game. Like mm-hmm. the performance in Ottawa wasn't just, oh, Ottawa hit them a bunch of times and they fell apart. Like, no, the Devils were just not very good uh, from the second period onward in that game. But the Devils definitely resolved themselves, which is good because if there's one team you should be beating, it should be the dead last team in the league yep. where they've had a whole host of issues. And by the way, as much as we've talked about, to, oh, you're missing Hamilton, you're missing Hughes, Blackwood's been hurt, yeah. been playing hurt, you know, Devils have injuries. Yeah, Montreal is like the last team to complain about this too because they literally lead the league in man games lost. Carey Price has been in the NHLPA player assistance program since before the season. Shea Weber was put on LTIR before this season. Their mm-hmm. IR has seven players on it as of this recording, yep. which includes Jonathan Druin, Christian Dvorak, David Savard, Joel Edmondson, Jake Allen, Matthew Perot, Michael Niven. That's two goalies, two defensemen, three forwards. Would that be enough to make, you know, turn the Montreal Canadiens into a playoff team? No, but it would be enough to make them win more than eight games. Yeah, eight and, is brutal. And on top of this, I would argue that their um, Stanley Cup run was basically all of Mark Bergevin's bets working out. Well, since that run, everything has fallen apart. Bergevin is out of the organization mm-hmm. has been effectively replaced by Jeff Gorton and now Kent Hughes, no relation to Jack Hughes, but relate, but he is the father of the other Jack Hughes. Who's a draft member draft eligible player in 2022. Not going to be confusing at all, but I digress. <laughs> Can't wait uh, for that. Right. But Can't um, wait till they swing a Zaha for Quinn Hughes trade with, uh, with other pieces involved. And then they have Hughes, 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 and Hughes. Uh, I'm gonna uh, Ken, Ken is gonna blow up on on air one day. Uh, <laughs> he'll just melt down and be like, "Oh, oh, you know, I just got a little bit wrong. There's just a lot of little Hughes out there, but you know, <laughs> oh, Kanja, you know, it's it, it, that's what makes hockey fun sometimes. Multiple names. Back in my day, you know, we had the two Brottons and uh, in the league, and that was a good time. They'd have I, to label Jack uh, Jack one and Jack two. Well, I think the other, the younger Jack Hughes, the guy who's going to be drafted this year, he may go by JD Hughes. JD. Well, one of them is John, right? Probably. No, I, I don't think. I think they both are legitimate Jacks. Wow. Incredible stuff. In any case, that digression aside here. Berge, so you have the perfect scenario for what I'm about to reveal is the big news after the 7-1 loss that the Devils handed to Montreal. Yes. That despite the injuries, 
despite all the reasons that you could argue you should not have done this, um, they did it. Montreal said, Dominic Ducharme, we know you got an extension, but that was given to you by the previous GM. Your team has, the team has eight wins. They've literally have lost, stopped listening to you. Jeff Petrie is literally checked out of this season. All of our young guys are picking up bad habits. You need to go, and we're going to replace you with a youth hockey coach named Martin St. Louis. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so... who, whom, by the way, at least Montreal is not losing games by six. Well, listen, so his name is Martin. His last name ends in an S, but you don't pronounce it. He is qualified to be the coach of the Montreal Canadiens. That's just the rules. I don't make them up, John. Okay. Yeah, I understand. That's just hey. how it works. However, uh, again, this game, not much of a measuring stick for the Devils because if they lost this, you'd feel bad. But if they win this, you think, okay, that's a relief. You finally won a game. Now, that's different than what they did the next game as they go into St. Louis and take on a team that is actually pretty good. Very good. They, Very they only good. lost five games in regulation at home this season at this point. And that's Five. a that's a pretty good team. And so the Devils, what did they do? They only went in there and absolutely did it. They found a way to win that game too. And I don't that was missing Jesper Bratt for the third period, still missing Jack Hughes, obviously still missing Dougie Hamilton. And um John Gilley's not having the best game, but doing enough to win. Well, that this is the larger point, and you're gonna see a post on this kind of touching on this. Is that is Gillis great? No, but for all of those. Devils fans who are correctly hoping for halfway decent goaltending, he's giving you some halfway decent goaltending. Yep. Yep. You know, I under, yes, he's not a long-term answer. Yes. He's a stopgap. Fine. If, if your goaltending is bad, you don't get, you don't complain about half bad. So anyway, the game starts similarly to the Montreal game where a bunch of things go the devil's way. PK Subban scores his first goal in forever mm -hmm. because again, shooting slap shots from 50 to 60 feet away don't generate a lot of goals. So that's why it, his, does, uh, it does once time, every three months, maybe <laughs> basically. Yes. And he scored, he scored off a broken play from the center point. It's one, nothing early on. Everyone's happy. And then later in the first period, the devils are holding it down. Like St. Louis wasn't really generating a whole lot. So it's another good first period for the devils. And then Michael McLeod scores a legitimate highlight reel. Get this on ESPN goal. And it was on ESPN. It, Sports it was Center exactly. had it as a uh, clipped highlight. And it was a McLeod coast to coast. That's not something I expected yeah. to see. Yeah. Far, you know, McLeod occasionally can flare out skill like this. He scored some beauties in the uh, 56 game season in 2021. So he's, he can do it occasionally. And he thankfully and, did it in this game. And keep that moment in mind too, because his speed would be used later on in the game as well. Yes. Unfortunately, the devil's plots, I think plots is the word I want to use for this, uh, by, having Clem Costine score literally on the next shift to make it two one, but Hey, you're up two one in St. Louis mm -hmm. against a playoff bound team, not a bad result. And then once again, Dan, the second period damns the devils, Braden Shen, uh, Justin Falk gets a shot that trickles through Gillis and Pavel Zaka is just a half second too late from clearing it over the line. Yeah. So it's, so now you're down three two. St. Louis had the better run of play. Once again, you're, I'm thinking to myself, the devils got downloaded again, you know, Damon Severson took two penalties that were entirely avoidable. So, you know, even though the Devils killed the calls, it's still bad. You're down 3-2 against a playoff-bound team. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen, man? <laughs> the What's third gonna period happen? got weird. <laughs> yeah, after about nine minutes of, again, St. Louis pretty much doing things. Um, and, of course, Jonas Siegenthaler uh, delaying the game by 
hand passing the puck over the glass. And this is about where uh, Jesper Bratt was uh, effectively out of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. I know they kept him on the bench for a bit, but we now know that he suffered a quote unquote upper body injury. So he is out for today's game in Pittsburgh and the Tampa Bay game on Tuesday. But so you have no brat, you're down one goal and you're not generating a ton on Jordan Bennington. And then nine minutes into the game or into the period, I should say, Mm -hmm. Ty Smith drops a dime to Nico Heischer. And then Heischer says, let me drop a double dime with a saucer pass to Jaeger Sharangovich. And you've seen this so many times in hockey. Oh, you got him cutting to the net, but it was just off because that's a really tough play to complete. Mm-hmm. But this time, it did complete. Oh, yeah. Sharon Govich easily puts in the back of that. No chance for Bennington. It's now three to three. And you're thinking, oh, this is interesting. And then it gets weirder, Dan. Yeah, the Dude. Devils uh, took a lead. Oh, before that, Dan. Oh. So, okay. Let, let me back up a little bit here. So, for the Montreal game, Yanni Kwakinen was taken out for Mason Geertsen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And this actually worked out well because Geertsen legitimately played a good game in Montreal. He was just kind of there in the St. Louis game. But despite the, the, the presence of beef in the lineup, Dan, because apparently Mason Geertsen equals beef, it was Dawson Mercer with his right. beautiful head of hair. You know, he, he, uh, big man Mikola knocks down Boakfist. Mercer is the one to charge after him. They have a brief Donnybrook, a brief fracas. Both of them get two minutes for roughing. So it's four on four. And then Subban makes a great zone entry. And instead of just launching a slap shot from 50 feet away, because that's kind of what the devils want the defenseman to do. Subban passes it to Nico. Heischer mm. across the Royal road. Bennington is too slow to get across. He's shot beats it. It's four to three. What is this, Dan? What it's, is this? Yeah, so it's something that the Devils have had done to them in reverse many times this year, where it's a, a late game, winnable game, but you just let it slip away right in the end before you can get anything out of it. And on top of that, after the net was pulled, there was more shenanigans that happened. Devils scored, uh, no, they only scored two empty net goals because to make it 5-3, we had a Crosby-esque backhand from Jimmy VC on the rush. Oh, yeah, I mean... Before that, you had Michael McLeod, um, I'm going to use the word again, plots, because uh, he basically fell into Bennington and took a goaltending interference penalty. But after that, VC just cuts in and, you know, technically this would be called a medium danger shot, but medium danger shots are still scoring chances. And VC, he, he just made Bennington look bad on this shot. Like it was one of those, holy goodness, where did this come from, from Jimmy VC? Yeah. And how did you let that go in? But it was an important insurance call because right on the next shift, Pavel Buchnevich skates through the entire Devils and then sets up Braden Shen cutting to the net. And now it's five to four. And you're now you're worried again of like, oh, no, are they going to do this again? Are we going to blow Are the Devils going to blow it? Are we going to see why a playoff bound St. Louis team that very rarely loses at home in regulation? why they rarely lose at home in regulation but thankfully the answer was no because they use michael mcleod's speed again it was a flip into the zone uh based on basically him beating out the icing and it worked really really well because that's exactly what he did he got to the puck first put it in the back of the net and everyone just exhaled oh didn't he it wasn't mcleod dad you're thinking of another player whose number ends with a zero it was everybody's boy jesper bokevist oh are you yeah he oh. scored the empty netter 
Oh, and then Tatar got the next one. No, you're, you're, you're looking Wait, at Am I confusing game. games? You are confusing games because Tatar oh scored the seventh goal in Montreal, which was oh. which was against a goaltender, by the way. Oh, they no, keep the scoring same... seven. That, that's my fault. They, 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 the thing There's is, too they've only goals. won games where they score seven goals. They've won three in their last, what, ten? And they've scored seven every time they've won? Yeah, that's 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 how it is. I mean, that makes sense. If you score seven goals, you should be winning the game. It's not but 1984. You shouldn't have to exclusively score seven goals to win. No, but in this case, they <laughs> scored five against a goaltender, and then they jacked on, tacked on two uh, empties. But Joe Bokvist literally beat out the icing and off the end boards, put it in the back of that so everyone could breathe a little easier. Fun fact: that's John Gillis's first point as a Devil. Yeah, he, he got the secondary for this play. And then with 10 seconds left, uh, you know, St. Louis pulled their goalie again. Devils shut it down. He sure breaks out and uh, puts it in for his uh, for his uh, third point of the period and ends it at 7-4. And, and the all Devils all of a sudden have three, what, it's two wins in a row, yeah. which is yep. rare for them. Um, uh, it's two wins that came after, what, seven straight losses? It, it's... <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was like three straight wins, seven losses, two wins. None of it's good. It's just, no, it's, it, it's just like, okay, at least they didn't lose. It's surprising more than anything. It was like, at least they didn't lose to Montreal, but how did they beat St. Louis kind of deal? And yeah. as these, the stretch of games coming up approaches um, the devils, they have Pittsburgh and then they have Tampa. Um, and then who's after that? So after the Tampa game on Tuesday, the devils are off for a week. Uh, they have nothing to make up uh, from the 16th to the 23rd. The Devils effectively only had to make up a handful of games. Mm-hmm. So their their normal schedule will resume on the 24th of February. That's next Thursday, hmm. not the Thursday coming up, where they're going to play back-to-back on the road. They're going to go to Pittsburgh, and then the next night they're going to go to Chicago. Now, the Devils do have a win in Pittsburgh this season, but that was also back in, like, October when we thought the Devils could be good. Yeah, And, you know, before it – Reality has set in and we learned that they're not, but Hey, who knows? And Chicago is also a bad hockey team this season. So, you know, that I, I like their chances more in fr- on Friday. And but the after- Devils famously beat Chicago earlier in the season. Yeah. So, you know, it's not super different, but the next two home games today against Pittsburgh and then at, you know, hosting Tampa Bay on Tuesday, that's going to be a big challenge. The 28th uh, where they're going to end their month, they're going to end it with another back-to-back where on the 28th, they got, they get to host Vancouver, who has the best goaltending in the league, Dan. That's crazy. They may not make the they may not make the playoffs, but they have the best goaltending in the league. And then they get to visit Columbus the next day. And we know that the Devils and in games with Columbus are always, you know, very rarely, Horrible. very rarely in the Devils' favor. <laughs> not to mention that Columbus has actually been playing fairly well recently. The Columbus yeah, Blue Jackets like may, may end up being or something. They yeah, they're on a three-game win streak. Um, they got some big W's. Um, they absolutely demoralized Montreal by winning their game recently with eight seconds left in regulation in a two, one game. Um, Columbus may end up being the best team, not in the playoffs in the East. Um, if they can, they can have a good chance of catching Detroit in that sense. So yeah, um, it doesn't get easier. And then when you look even further out to March, you know, you got a road trip to Western Canada in March, you get St. Louis at home, Colorado at home, you get, our hated rivals twice. You get another game with Toronto, another game at Boston, another game at Washington. It doesn't get easier, Dan. It really does not. There's no, 
this is like the quiet part of the season. After this, it's it's all you know three to four game weeks uh, for the stretch, and um, you know, I, I I have a goal in mind for this team. I don't think they're going to do it, but I, I but I want them to try, Dan. What's what's that? What's that going to be? I want them to win oh. fifteen more <laughs> games. I want now. You may say, why fifteen more games, John? Well, that would be roughly half of the remaining games. If they can do that, they will match or exceed by one the win total of the team of Lou Lamorello's last team as a, as Devils GM. And the okay. reason why I, I personally want this goal is because part of the part of the frustration and the lack of patience and the you know the growing apathy with the Devils this season is the is the reality of that not that they're bad but they've been bad yet again. Like we expected a better hockey team this season than last than the 56 game season and bet and certainly better than some of the re- early rebuilding years under Ray Shero. And that has not been the case. It, it, the devils are currently on pace to have the worst 82 game season in the cap era in franchise history right now. Mm-hmm. But, but Dan, if they can get to, you know, 33 wins, if they can get to that mark, which is not entirely impossible given that they still have 35 games remaining. So again, we're not, I'm not asking for a ton of wins here. I'm asking for 13 of them, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'm asking for, you know, win half of your remaining games. And then, then if you're, if you're top, (laughs) it's Gerald, you can then, you know, go to your boss. You can go to the fans and say, look, the season was bad. We didn't do what we wanted to do. We're not playing meaningful games in March and April, like we hoped for. But but also we're motions bad, we're, vaguely to everything that happened this year. Right. But guess what? Every team has issues with injuries. Pittsburgh, who's currently on the cusp of taking the division lead right now, you know, they were they went months without Crosby, Malkin. They didn't know if Tristan Jerry was going to be any good. They had they had to rely on guys like Evan Rodriguez playing out of his mind to be competitive. And they are. Their harsh reality is that the devils at the very minimum have to show that they're making progress for a better tomorrow. They just can't sit at 40% point percentage. But even with all of that, right? Like even with all of that, even with everything that happened to the devils injury wise, they're still one average, like a season long average goaltending performance away from being in the thick of things. That's the problem. Well, there wouldn't be in the thick of things with average goaltending. I've actually can mathematically prove this. Okay. Uh, so if the devils, because I'm going to focus on five on five, because that's where the punishment is. Yes. Shorthanded goals have been bad, but there's still only eight goals. If the devils had average goaltending in five on five, Dan, they would have given up 30 fewer goals. Now that's a lot. That's a lot of goals. That is a lot of goals. However, that only guarantees about five wins or so. I'm sorry. No, it guarantees about, yeah, no, about five wins. Because the rule of thumb is that a goal, a goal differential improvement of six guarantees a win. That's the key phrase here, guarantees. Because, you know, yes, you could work it out that, you know, giving up a goal here or there can help you win some games, but it could also just make bad losses look, well, less bad. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you give up, if you lose 2-1 to Toronto instead of 7-1 to Toronto, you know, you improve by five goals, but you still lost the game. So that's what I'm talking about here. So that's why the, you go conservative and you estimate about five additional wins, which would be great for the Devils. That would put them fifth in the division right now and put them ahead of Columbus. But it would also still put them, you know, eight points behind Boston, who has um, 
two games in hand on the Devils for that last wild card spot. They would, they would, it would be a better looking situation, but their playoff odds would still be somewhere like 10% at best, which is not great. You would still hope for better than that. And that's a big reason why I've been banging about in comments, on tweets, and posts where goaltending has been bad, but it's not your only problem. And but if you want to, if you not... want to get to where you want to be, you got to improve some other stuff too. But you have to think also that if goaltending had been better in key moments, then maybe the floodgates wouldn't have opened as much as they did. That's another thing. It's the timing of when they got the goaltending. Right. But we're arguing apples and oranges here. Like it's if true. we're going to say, if we're going to say the, if the devils had decent goaltending, like I said, league median goaltending at five on five for the whole season that we're talking about aggregate here. If we're going to yeah, talk yeah. about timing, then that's slightly different here. It's actually a similar problem with what, what Washington capital fans are dealing with right now. And if they want to be honest with themselves, it's a very big question. Boston and Toronto fans should be asking themselves because Boston and Toronto have actually put up worse goaltending performances than the devils since the beginning of this calendar year, which given that, you know, they, they have, uh, they have higher aspirations than the devils. They may want to sort that out as quickly as they can, but they also have very strong offenses and very strong systems of play where they can control things. And that's the thing I'm talking about here. It's not just get better goaltending. It's get better goaltending, improve your systems. Mm-hmm. And, and, and most importantly, put guys in positions to succeed. If you're constantly shooting pucks from 50 feet away, no wonder that P- the Pavel Zakas and the Thomas Tatars and the Andreas Johnsons go long stretches without getting any points because they're not even shooting the puck because, you know, Jonas Siegenthaler has to take four shots a game. I like Jonas, but he should not be shooting the puck four times a game. Yeah, They're not going to be goals. They're just not. We'll also find a way where, um, you know, all these injuries also don't have, I know the concept of man game lost, but they also seem to happen pretty much simultaneously. There was that one week where four different devils got hit in the face by a puck. That is just right. freakishly bad luck. Like there's, right. there's no amount of planning you can do to account no. for things like that. And that happens, no. like you said, to every team, but in particular, the, the timing of these entries has been so in equal parts spread out, but in equal parts simultaneous. I don't know how else to phrase it. It's like two or three key pieces every time. I, I don't – it's it's not great, but your team yeah. should be deeper than that. It should be deeper than two or three players if you're playing with exactly. a 23-man roster. They, I, and that's, that's the larger point because that's the big difference between a team like Pittsburgh where – They've had significant players with big question marks going into the season. And then on top of that, you lose them for injuries, for COVID, for other maladies. And they still go on and get results. They get wins and say what you want about, you know, the old, oh, they found Mark Donkin. I've never heard of him. And now he has 20 goals. Well, that's a credit to the Pittsburgh scouting department, the pro scouting department and their management for understanding and recognizing the players that fit the way they want to play and putting those players where they could succeed. Whereas in other organizations and other systems, they may not similar to how, um, and we're recording this also on the day of the Super Bowl, So I got football on the mind here, you know, how some players can be great, but if you put them in a different system, they, they go from great to being, you know, even better mm-hmm. uh, think and, and other players, as they get older, they adjust their roles to, fit their skill set, similar to how an Odell Beckham Jr. went from being a number one bonafide stud with the New York football giants. Now he's hanging out with the Rams on a much smaller deal and a much more limited role uh, because he is older. His skills have uh, degraded a bit, but it gives the Rams a legitimate option. It gives it gives them another option to add to their plethora of options. And it's a reason, you know, it's stuff like that that helps them 
go into the playoffs and go in there and win games. And now they're competing for a Super Bowl in part of recognizing stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it's also a reason why Pittsburgh is sitting at 66 points with 29 wins in 48 games, as opposed to the Devils who have just 39 points in 17 wins in that same number of games. By the way, they play each other today. We'll see how it goes. I don't like the Devils odds. <laughs> Well, all that being said, is there anything else to add for this extremely packed episode? We know it's been a while. Yeah, there's there's a couple other things I do want to mention. And I will say this is that uh, in addition to Ducharme being fired, mm-hmm. Dave Tippett of the Oilers got fired the next day. Now, this raises the question, how come Lindy Ruff still has his job? Because uh, the Devils have been the awful. Oilers. I love the Oilers so much. Well, the Oilers have literally played themselves out of a playoff spot despite having the two best uh, players in the world. Um and part you, of that, did you part, see the stat about Nugent Hopkins and coaches? Yeah, he's been through a lot of them. Um, he, the, is this eleventh year? He's had twelve coaches. Yeah, and that's that's an indictment of ownership and management. But um, I mean, it's not like Nugent Hopkins is killing the coach in Tippett's case. Let me explain briefly why Lindy Ruff's job is currently safer than Ducharme's and Tippett's were. And the big difference is the room. Um, granted, nobody is really covering the Devils closely, so maybe. It's not as good as I think it is, but for all the flaws with the devils this season, Dan, they seem to care. Like Mm -hmm. nobody is mailing it. Like we've seen some bad moments, some mental lapses, some awful mistakes by Damon Severson among others, but nobody has given up on games entirely. Like there was no Jeff Petrie's. I'm just going to take lazy penalties amid a a really awful performance. That's going to kill my coach's job. It's It's the old James Harden. Yeah, exactly. Like for all the warts of the system, the devils still play the system. I would argue they play it to a fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so that those are signs that indicate that the te- the room, it, it, the dynamics are good. When the, as you know, in any other sport, even if your team is playing well, if you lose the room, your your days as a number is that head head coach is done. I mean, Tip- we've seen the devils fire a coach that was winning because they lost the room. Exactly. Exactly. They nearly mutinied on Claude Julian. I, that's that's who well, about Robbie Fitorik. That too. Um, that was another classic case of that. In the case of Edmonton, in addition to their awful slump, um, you know, Dave Tippett literally blamed an entire loss on backup goaltender Miko Koskinen. And in this sport, in this culture, you know, lots of players don't typically hit back in the media, but the backup goaltender. Nico Koskinen, who yeah. literally is not a big name or a big star, literally hit back a tip and saying, you know, I'm not the one that scores goals, man. <laughs> like you have yeah. a public beef with your backup goalie. And then Tippett's response to that was, well, I'm just going to run Mike Smith into the ground. My 40 year old Geltender who just came off of injury, despite the fact he's getting torched, uh, that, that ultimately helped do, do in Tippett. And so that's my, the larger lesson I want people to take away as a final point here is that for all the issues that you could credibly point to Lindy Ruff, and as much as I think Lindy Ruff can absolutely make some adjustments to make his team play better and help out a goaltending group that has been bad, not that they're going to make him good, but just help him out, make it a little easier for them. He has not lost the room. And that's a big reason why he's still the head coach of the New Jersey Devils, mm-hmm. whereas Dominic Ducharme and all their injuries and problems is out in Montreal and why Tippett, despite having the two best players in the world and still not out of the playoff race in the West, uh, why he's out of a job as well. Yeah. So again, the situation is much, again, if the, you think it's bad in New Jersey, it's worse there. They're wasting the careers of the two, two of the best players on the planet. The Devils can't really say they're doing that. Um, so 
I don't know. I, I don't feel much better about the Devils knowing that, but it is nice to see all these Oilers fans that spend time chirping the Devils after the whole Taylor Hall saga uh, not be much better off on their end as well, despite having the lottery balls fall their way for the player of a generation, I'd say, with Connor McDavid. And not to mention a whole bunch of other great players like they Scott Lee on Dreisaitl that turned out to be better than everyone expected. Darnell Nurse has been, you know, like you can't say that Edmonton hasn't had enough favors in their way that you can make chicken salad here. They've gotten enough chicken. The problem is that they have a coach and a management staff and an ownership that seemingly wants to put chicken, you know, what amid the salad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Utica keeps rolling along. They are. Uh, they keep winning by a lot. Usually they almost had a scare, a devil's like collapse the other day as they were up, what, six to nothing or six one against someone and almost let that slip. But the difference is that they didn't let it. They didn't. And they keep winning and winning and winning. And basically they're having the inverse season as the devils where everything that can go right has everyone who should be performing is and people who we didn't expect to perform are. So hopefully that manifests in New Jersey at some point, but at least some part of the organization experiencing some winning culture, which makes a big deal in the later stages of their NHL careers, especially for someone like Alexander Holtz, who has a lot of the organization's hopes riding on him now. Um, he just keeps scoring. He he's just keeps continuously proving that he is just too good for the AHL. Yeah, and, and there's definitely an argument to be made of like, as long as the Devils are you know, they basically are playing for nothing at this point. There's a good argument to tell guys like Holt or Riley Walsh or Nolan Foote, you know, keep winning with Utica. It's better. It's more beneficial to enjoy success and mm-hmm. to do well. Build that then, confidence. Yeah, not just confidence, but you also develop good habits. That's mm-hmm. always the big problem with losing teams is that, you know, because you're losing, you know, you, you start learning, eh, maybe I don't need to work hard on this shift. I don't need to make this type of play. I don't need to develop this talent. I don't need to do these things because we're going to lose anyway. So mm-hmm. what's the point? And that's a, again, that's a reason why Ducharme was let go. Kent Hughes actually said, our young guys are picking up bad habits. We need to make a change before they, you know, crystallize. Like he literally said that in the press conference announcing um, St. Louis as a uh, head coach. Mm-hmm. So there is a good argument to be made to keep guys there. Whereas I'd like to see the Devils call up a guy like Fabian Zetterlund or AJ Greer or Chase DeLeo just to understand, like, what do you have in these guys? Because they're up for contracts real soon. Holtz is going to be in the organization for quite a bit of time. Guys like, you know, more on the fringe, like Zetterlund, DeLeo and and Greer, you need to make a decision on them sooner rather than later. So I I hope we get to see them get a chance and let Holtz just continue to write it out and, and, Uh you know, keep, Banging them in, keep generating 1.2 points per game, man. Like, you know, you're doing a lot of great things. Go keep doing great things. Don't, don't let the, don't let New Jersey block your shine that you're having in Utica. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So um, anything else for today? Uh, no, not really. Thank you for uh, setting this up. All righty. Well, that being said, thank you all for joining us. Thank you for, um, you know, listening through this longer episode. It had been a while, so we're happy to recap what we had missed and also talk about the All-Star Game and the return of Jack Hughes to the lineup uh, today. So good luck to the New Jersey Devils as they play against Pittsburgh. This will probably be uploaded after the fact, but 
Um, regardless, we'll cover that game on the next episode. If you have ideas for what you want us to discuss, we did see some comments. And so today was oriented around more of the defense and the considerations with the devil's flaws there. So again, we're not ignoring that. It's just, you know, it was easier to point at things like special teams and goaltending initially, now that we figured out what more of the problems are. So thank you as always for your input, everyone. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time and let's go devils. 